Hi friends, and welcome to We're Already Here, a podcast about celebrating who we are through the highs and lows in our lives and understanding the story that we've created for ourselves. Today, I am here with Mika. Mika is the owner and founder of Mika's Lifestyle, a lifestyle brand centered on wholehearted, authentic living and deeply honoring one's cultural identity. Since launching Mika's Lifestyle, Sense of Greece Soy Candle Collection in March 2021, Mika has expanded the brand to include curated imports from small business owners in rural parts of Greece. Additionally, Mika has spent four years at Indeed.com, working with employers to meet their hiring needs. As a team lead at the company, she finds the most fulfilling part of her job is coaching and motivating her team to grow and succeed. So Nika, thank you so much for being here with me today. This episode has been long coming, so I'm so excited that we're finally doing this. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself? Yes, thank you for having me, Ro. I'm so excited to be here. I know it's been a long time coming on my end as well. I remember way back when we first met, you talked about starting a podcast and I've just been so blessed to watch you grow and flourish within it. So, so happy to be here today. <laughs> um, a little bit about me. Um, so like yourself, Greek American, I am technically second generation, but I was raised by my mom um, and my grandparents in Connecticut. So that was definitely a village um, just growing up. Um, I always had a lot of aunts, uncles, and cousins there to support me, and I really had um, the great opportunity of my grandfather kind of taking me along with him um, when he would go to Greece in the summers. So I had that cultural aspect as well super early on. That's awesome. I just wanted to set a little bit of context before we get into the episode. We will be doing sort of the amateur's deep dive on toxic positivity, a topic that I think has been pretty prevalent in media and especially social media today. One thing that I absolutely want to put up top as a disclaimer, Nika and I are not experts. We're not psychologists. This is not a phrase that we have coined. We are just people who have read up on the topic and will be sharing our own reactions to it. If you want to hear experts talk about toxic positivity, you can look at Dr. Susan Davis's work and her research around emotions and emotional resilience. She authored the book, Emotional Agility, or you can look at psychotherapist Whitney Goodman. She has a immaculate Instagram account called Sit With Wit and a book titled Toxic Positivity. So if you want an expert's take, look there. We are just two people interested in it, read up on it, who will be chatting about our reactions. So what is toxic positivity? Toxic positivity is the act of dismissing negative emotions and responding to distress with false assurances rather than empathy. So this could be in the form of us doing it to ourselves or to other people. Some examples of this could sound like that's all you're worried about. Don't stress. It's not a big deal other people have it worse, or even telling yourself, I shouldn't be upset about this, but I should feel grateful about this, but, and like not giving yourself the permission to feel things and complain. It doesn't just stress the importance of optimism, which is important. It denies the existence of negative emotion. Nika, what has been your experience with toxic positivity? 
I think really the underlying unspoken piece of toxic positivity is it does spread through the generations. So I think before we had the coined term of toxic positivity, the way I, I think I associate it was just sweeping your emotions under the rug. Um, or at least that's, I think, how in my family or our household, at least, it was kind of like, oh, that's how you feel. Okay, go feel that off over there. Yeah. Um, and come back yeah. when you're ready to kind of be that positive presence. And totally. well, for sure. And while the family dynamic wasn't always sunshine and rainbows, when it came, I think, to really working through those emotions, those harder, deeper conversations, it was kind of that like either do it privately or, or don't do it at all. Um, so I think that's where, as I got older, um, and definitely exposed myself to different people, different cultures, different personalities, perspective, all of that great stuff, um, for context, I went to school up in Boston. So I went to a city school and that really kind of threw you to the wolves. Um, but in a good way where you got to see how other people were raised and how other people processed their emotions or didn't. And then you kind of were able to, you know, grow from that perspective and make new decisions for yourself and, and mm -hmm. kind of take that home as well that's been a big piece just in my journey is not only learning for myself, but then being able to share and sprinkle that with older and younger generations in my family and in my circle. I love that. That is such a great point that this isn't something that's new. Like people have been sweeping stuff under the rug for generations upon generations. And I think the key thing about toxic positivity is it really does deny reality. So when like your parents and your grandparents exactly. told you like, Oh, it's not a big deal like that. When you're depressed, what do you have to be depressed about? You are telling someone not to live in the world as it is, but to live in the world you think they should be living in. Or if it's to yourself, living in a world as you think it should be, which is absolutely like not fair or accurate. For sure. For sure. And I think what I've really recognized, and I think this can be said for a lot of people in the last two, three, four years, is we didn't have that piece of what the older generations had, which I think was that trauma, mm. um, going through wars, going through illnesses, not knowing what was going to be on the other side, but then eventually getting to that point where you could be back in that safe space. And so that's where I think yeah. also the caveat of not having technology, not having resources, not having support way back when sweeping it under the rug was the easiest solution to get through, to survive. But totally. now we have that new phase where we're kind of seeing, for lack of better terms, history repeat itself, but we have so much more out there to help better support us and to share that feeling and emotion and perspective. Right, right. Because it was really a survival tactic. It's not like our parents wanted to hurt us or wanted to hurt the people around them. They just thought this was the easiest way to like, keep going. For sure. Like that, the saying you did the best you could with what you had that survival mm -hmm. fire flight mode. That's something that I definitely in that transgenerational healing perspective, continuously repeat that in my mind of that good or bad. For example, like that tragic optimism, that it's not always going to be sunshine and rainbows, but you can get through it. You just have to remind yourself that there's good and bad. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think a lot of us tend to in relation to others tend to confuse our comfort with someone else's. So like we yeah. will give those false reassurances, like, oh, just look at the bright side. For sure. But I get what you're saying. Cause at the same time, it's like, for me, I think I wouldn't have said this five years ago, but now that I've leaned in more to the optimistic side versus the toxic positivity side, I, I love how my lifelines in my inner circle, my mm -hmm. ride or dies can be like, you know what? That is shitty. I'm here with you. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, right. Cause like, <laughs> we'll get to, like tomorrow might be better, but if it's not, I'm here still. So 
Totally. Um, I think being able to face again, the good, the highs and the lows. And I know that's, you know, we're already here. We're, we're here in the podcast now, but um, the highs and the lows of like your emotions and lean into it versus saying everything's fine. Is right. Amazing. Yeah. Cause I really think you, you hit the nail on the head. The antithesis of toxic positivity is really just leading, leading with empathy. I'm going to talk about Susan Davis a lot on this episode, but she has like such a beautiful anecdote on this too, where she says toxic positivity is like writing your emotions on a piece of paper. And then someone telling you to flip that paper over and then write down all the things that you're grateful for. And she says like, when you're doing this, you are denying your reality. You're like, like I said earlier, you're not living in the world as it is. Like I'm stressed, I'm angry, I'm disappointed. You're living in the world that like you think you should be living in because like you have all of these things. And when you do it to someone else, Susan Davis also said this on Brene Brown's podcast. Great episode, go listen to it. Um, (laughs) Right, she's awesome. She says, when you're doing this, you're telling someone like my comfort in this moment is more important than your reality. Yeah sort of aligned with this writing down the things that you're grateful for piece. Nika and I also in preparation for this episode read an article that was on the Atlantic that talks about this idea of tragic optimism, which is sort of the antidote to toxic positivity. Let's chat about that. Nika, what did you get out of the article what did you understand as a difference between toxic positivity and tragic optimism? What were your thoughts on it? For sure, for sure. I actually, one quote that really stuck out to me, it's that tragic optimism, it's looking for that hidden benefit and the opportunities for growth in everything. So it's not saying everything's fine. It's saying it's not great now, but there's something on the other end. And I just need to keep pushing to get to that. And uh, this might be an ebb and flow just working through it will get you to a better stage and point. Totally, totally. When you're looking through those ebbs and flows, what are some things for you that get you through the ebbs and into the flows? How do you pursue that hidden benefit or how do you identify it? Yeah, for sure. This is going to kind of sound a little ironic or cheesy, but sure, sure. I really try my best to sit with my emotions, sit with my feelings. And a lot of times sitting with it in solitude. Totally don't think that's cheesy. No, I, I think it's, it's something too that I think our generation we're, or, we're getting back to. We are so used to having social media, people, networks, communities at our fingertips that I think sometimes we forget the most important relationship that we need to be in tune with as ourselves. So I think in those low moments, really just sitting with myself, giving myself the grace to reflect on the overall journey, and then kind of like look closer at the bigger picture. Like, what am I trying to accomplish? Have I made strides in the last month, three months, six months, or a year? And if I can validate those feelings and those feelings Mm. like they're positive, then I know I'm still headed in a positive direction. And this is just a speed bump on that longer path. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I think also that sitting with the emotions takes the pressure off of fixing them, which I think is also like a root cause of this toxic positivity. To time off of that, a book I read, the seven habits for highly effective people. And I keep looking over to my side because I've got all of my like recent reads to the right of me, but it talks about just paradigm shift and how Mm. you can really just take that one small step 
to really ingrain that mindfulness of how you want to operate going forward in your life versus just a quick fix that I think ties Mm -hmm. directly to toxic positivity. While, for example, like self-care routines are fabulous and they definitely in the long run will bring you back closer to your inner self, having a really bad day and coming home and throwing on a face mask is not going to bring you back to your emotions of whatever that really hard day caused. Yes. Um, So yes, yes, boo, throw on the face mask, but then sit on that couch and and cry through the face mask. Right. Feel those emotions, sit with it. Because I guarantee you, if you're bottling it up, that toxic positivity, those quick fixes will continue, or at least from my experience, they have versus kind of combining that and then looking forward of how can I really make a new impact for myself the next day? Yes, yes. A paradigm shift versus quick fixes. And I think this goes right back to the point where I was making with Susan Davis's anecdote is like, there is a difference between using gratitude as like a band-aid versus using gratitude as a lens by which you look at your life. I think there's a distinction to make there. What do you think that distinction means for you? Yeah, no. And I love how you frame this question because I know we talk about this a lot, gratitude specifically, but I think then that deeper layer, which is gratefulness. So really embodying gratitude, incorporating into your lifestyle so that for lack of better terms, you are doing good for the benefit of others, for the benefit of yourself and not expecting good in return. Um, And I think while you're not expecting good in return, when you live that with that mindfulness and that gratefulness, it comes at you in return tenfold than you least expect it to. So. Yeah, I I am someone who has definitely been leaning into, I think, again, the first layer is leaning into gratitude, incorporating that in your day to day, maybe that's the quick fix. But then over time, that repeat habit, incorporating that into your lifestyle, into your routine, that gratefulness is what's ultimately going to change your perspective on life in the world. Totally. Can you tell the listeners like tactically what those things look like and how they look different? Yeah, I would say, you know, gratitude starts with waking up every morning and really recognizing the things that you have that you've grown through that were tough, the highs and the lows, but then also stepping forward with how you can make an impact in the positive. And then I think with gratefulness, that really is like how you operate in your relationships as a whole, like the relationships that you keep in your life are, are they deep connections that you are super appreciative for? that you're constantly reaffirming because you have that deep layer of gratefulness. And if you don't, and those relationships don't serve you, then letting them go. There's actually a quote, do good and throw it into the sea. You know, with time and with wisdom, what it means to me now is leading forward with good intentions, not expecting those good intentions in return, but by embodying that lifestyle, it's going to come back your way tenfold. I I totally resonate with that. I think practicing gratitude as the superficial action is like something I do when I'm sad, like it helps me. It doesn't help everyone. Just writing down one thing that I am grateful for one thing that I'm thankful that I have. Right. And I think gratefulness and just the lifelong practice of embodying it is like a lot of times I'll go on a no technology walk. So I'll just like leave my house, no cell phone, no music, nothing, and just walk around. And I feel like it's not even an intentional action, but I'll walk around Astoria and be like, wow, like how lucky am I to live here? Or I'll see something. I'll be like, how 
cool is it that I just got to see that and experience it? Those little things, writing down the list seems like real cheesy. But then when you like walk through life, and you're actually in tune with your life and you see these things. Gratefulness is this air that surrounds you, to me personally, an air that's around yes. you versus in action. No, a thousand percent. And I'm so glad you mentioned nature and that grounding piece, because that's something that I resonate with as well. And I think it is not only stepping outside and using that time alone to sit with nature, sit with myself within nature, but also like that caveat of travel and nature with travel and being able to expose yourself to different geographies, different people, different cultures, and then taking that exposure and really bringing it back home to that embodiment of gratefulness that you have that opportunity to explore. Totally, totally. To wrap up this whole conversation of tragic optimism, gratefulness, I want to tie back to a few quotes that were in the Atlantic article that we mentioned, which I will link in the description of this episode. The article said, gratitude is not just a switch to turn on when things go well. It is also a light that shines in the darkness. And I think this is really important because up top, when we mentioned this article, Nika, you mentioned understanding that it's not the traumatic event itself that leads to growth, rather how it's processed. And I think So I'm going to kind of like talk through it as I'm thinking about it now. The thing to pull in here, some things just totally suck and there's no lesson. There's no, I'm better from it. Yeah. I I, I saw this tweet that was like, what doesn't kill you makes you fucked up in weird and specific ways. I think that's (laughs) sometimes true. Sometimes you just like you go through a traumatic event and you literally just get traumatized. And it's something that you have to sort out later in life. And it sucks. It sucks that you have to do it. It's just awful. And I think one thing is like, if someone comes to you or like, I'll say from my perspective, like I go to someone, I'm really upset about something. And then someone just like, just switch your mindset. Like, bro, I know I'm in a bad mindset. Like, I know that I'm upset. Like, I like, I know if I like switch my mindset, things would be better. Like, no, I just need you to listen and tell me that it sucks. So it's like, (laughs) right. No, a thousand percent. And literally, as you were saying that I was like, there are so many examples I can think of, but the number (laughs) one being that I think almost every single person in this world can relate to is loss. There is literally nothing about loss that makes it like digestible other than the fact that you have the stages in the sense of you have that grief, you have healing, which everyone gets to the healing point on a completely different timeline. It could take six months. It could take six years. Mm-hmm. And then eventually after you get through that timeline, which again is on its own course and own speed and own pace for every single person, you finally get to growth. And then mm-hmm. through growth is the beyond. But right. truly like that can stop a person dead in their tracks, that type of trauma. And that's just one of the many circumstances um, and, and yeah, I, whew, you just brought up such a fiery topic. I love that that was so unscripted because absolutely let's chat. Let's unpack that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I used to live by the phrase when I was younger, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And like, really, I feel like, especially in the past two years, I just do not wholeheartedly believe that. Like, I think like there's definitely some things where you go through and you're like, wow, I'm so grateful. I like didn't get that job. Right. That was, that really sucked in the moment, but you know what? I'm happy. I didn't because Mm -hmm. I learned and I growed and I changed and I did all of this versus a trauma. That's like losing someone like 
processing grief is not fun. Maybe it makes you a more empathetic person. For sure. It, 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 it's not something you look at, you're like, wow, I'm so like thankful I lost my loved one. Like no one would ever say that. But literally no one ever. I actually do feel like grief is one of those things that gets toxically positively shit on all the time. Like they're in a better place now or like look at the bright side, like all this stuff. Like sometimes someone just needs to process it. I mean, you, you've, you've, we, we've talked about grief at length, yeah. but yeah. No, I, I completely agree. And I was someone that when I lost my grandfather, who was like my father figure alongside my mom, like I was raised again by a village. So I always felt fully supported, but when he passed, like, and it wasn't something that happened immediately. Like he, it was over time he had cancer. So we knew it was coming and we, in a way were able to sort of prepare, but that final moment, it's like, you actually don't realize that your life completely turns upside down. And then you're like, oh, wow. (laughs) And then for me too, like personally, I didn't go into the grief state right away. Like it kind of was denial and shock for a decent amount of time of holding the glue together because everybody else did go into grief mode. Um, And so with that being said too, came later on that toxic positivity around, well, it's been X amount of time. Why aren't you where we are? Why are you kind of not behind because no one's behind in grief. Um, But, you know, I handled it completely different from most of my family. And that was hard. And I think with that came me learning to express my emotions so that they still felt connected so that we all still felt connected, but could recognize that like this was such a traumatic moment for all of us so differently. Um, and while there was so much love still in the air from this human being that impacted all of us, it really was as if a train was going a hundred miles an hour and had a dead halt. So, yeah, um, definitely it's, it's something that I, I will always have empathy now for people going through grief. Mm. Thankfully I had lifelines and support that helped me kickstart my growth period, Mm -hmm. um, which from there is just now completely engulfed in the rest of my life. And also just meeting others where they're at and holding that, that empathetic space for them when they're going through it as well. Yes. I, I think all that is, you brought up many good points. I think the first is like in these traumatic events, you can be thankful your support for your support system. You can be thankful for the strength you exhibited. You can be thankful for those things and thankful for the growth, still recognizing that the event was terrible. Cause like at the end of the day, I think one thing that we should, we should really point out is like optimism is a great, important thing. Having a positive mindset is a wonderful thing that will lead you to like all sorts of success. I think it turns toxic when it is dismissive of someone's reality and dismissive of the emotions someone is feeling. I'm sure when people do this, it is well-intentioned. It is to comfort the person they think, to say like, oh, well, compare yourself to like so many people have it worse. It is meant to comfort. It does not do it. And sometimes it can be selfish. A thousand percent. Serving your own comfort. Yeah. For sure. No, I was going to say too, like the, where that's coming from is them trying to process and not project, but share in the best way that they know how, Mm -hmm. which I think is also just that like unspoken, unconditional love in a lot of those really tough circumstances. Yeah. So to your point, circling it back to that balance of 
positivity where it turns toxic or being optimistic. It's that scale that's not always going to have a hefty balance, but it does need to weigh on either side at one point or another. Totally, totally. Closing this all out, it's inevitable that we all exhibit toxic positivity. It's culturally ingrained in us to do so. It's normally well-intentioned. It's important to stay optimistic and positive while still validating our emotions and the emotions of others while not denying anyone's reality. What ways are you able to check yourself when you think you are being toxically positive? Yeah, I think it's like that, like stoplight moment where you're just like, hold on a second. That's not okay. Like this isn't an okay situation. Like you can feel mad. You can feel upset in the topic of grief. Again, it's like, I can still have days. It's been seven years, seven years as of Monday. It's we're on the 26th today on the 28th of be seven years. I can still have days where I just want to, you know, sit and take his watch out and, and cry over his watch. And, and you know, that's absolutely okay. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, in hindsight, you know, that would have been hard for a family member in the past, but now they look at it as such a beautiful thing that I even feel comfortable sharing that I had that experience because mm-hmm. again, it's so ingrained in our culture, in our generations, in the past trauma that has lack of resources to mm-hmm. not express the highs and the lows of your emotions. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. I think for me, it's leading with empathy because I tend to be, I, at least I used to tend to try to fix it versus just validating someone's emotions. I think leading with empathy is, is the biggest thing for me. And also taking a quote from Nika's lifestyle, encouraging people to live in their authentic selves and not try to mask what they're feeling for the comfort of others. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love that you pulled that from us. Yeah. I think it's really, it's, it's good to live authentically because I think when you can live in your true self, you, you give yourself the vulnerability to continue to learn more about your past and your future. Mm without feeling like, you know, you need to dismiss whatever feeling come alongside it. So thank you for sharing that. I I love that you pulled that. (laughs) Alrighty. So these last three questions are asked to every guest that comes on to We Are Already Here. This podcast is all about celebrating the lows just as much as the highs in your life. Can you tell me about a struggle that sucked while you were going through it, but looking back now, you celebrate it. What did that struggle give you that you cherish today? Yeah, no, hundred percent. I know I touched upon this a few times, but I would say that that age bracket of like 18 to 23 was just my world getting flipped upside down with, with mm. grief and loss. But then, you know, truly being able to, once the grief subside, have that healing process begin and immerse myself in the growth along with just the teachings that, you know, the people that weren't with me anymore and the people that were here had already ingrained in me from the beginning. That's something I celebrate now because I know that they're always with me, whether they're here physically on earth or they're, you know, up above watching over me, but that physical growth journey that I'm on, you know, I'm just all the more empowered for because of the struggles that I've been through. It's given me, you know, my lifelines, my ride or dies, and it's helped me uncover these deeper connections with the people that matter in my life that, you know, makes it safe to unpack my emotions and feel the feels Mm -hmm. and also make it safe for them to feel the feels too, and just share it 
with perspective, not with a quick fix or not with, you know, a solution on the other side, but just with vulnerability. And I think for me, that's like I said earlier, helps just my family become closer and open up about the generational traumas that our culture, so many other cultures have. It's written in the history books, but can we actually speak to the emotional intelligence that was at hand with those historical events? Because I think that truly speaks to where we are today within our cultural relationships and within our deeper connections with our families. So that's totally celebrating. Yeah. And I really do think that what facilitates that is how you as a person, I want to say choose to process the shitty things that happen, but sometimes it's not really a a choice because like, if you're unaware of the choices you have on how to process bad things, then like, I guess Mm -hmm. it isn't a choice, but to simplify it, it really is reliant on like how we as people choose to, or ultimately end up processing those things. For sure. For sure. And also how we adapt, because I think that what you just said ties back to doing the best you could in the timeline and the timeframe that you had, Mm. but also knowing that over time, you're going to evolve that information and knowledge will also evolve with you and you can tap into adapting for a better, a better future. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, very smooth transition. How have you worked to change how you perceive the world around you? And how have you worked to change your thoughts and beliefs into ones that serve you and create a world that you want to live in? Yeah, no, when you sent this question over, I was like, I love this one. I can't wait. Um, <laughs> I, I was definitely raised to have a worldly perspective. That was just something that my grandfather was always super passionate about with history and geography. So as I got older and had the opportunity to really see the world for myself, what I really quickly realized was the bubble environment that I grew up in and how I needed to top that bubble sooner than later and tap into my close diverse perspectives and connections but beyond that the worldly perspectives and connections and how that plays into how I'm going to further see the world going forward and then how I'm also going to instill that knowledge in future generations Mm. Um, so I think now who I am and how I see the world is just always thinking bigger and like having empathy for others and humanity. And I think from the Greek perspective, Philoptima has always been something that's taught with us from an early age. But I think in the last couple of years, it's something that I really think about on a daily basis and try and really sit again, sit with everything that's going on. Yes, radiating that positivity in a healthy way, being grateful and showing gratitude, but then continuing to like send that love and positivity and knowledge into the world because the more you put it out there, the more you will receive. Absolutely. I love that. And then our final question. Tell me the story that you've created for yourself. Yes. Oh my gosh. (sighs) The story I've created for myself. I'm super proud to be Anikis. I'm super proud to have my mom's last name, my grandfather's last name. And I will be the last one in his line to have his name. And I think what I've done with it since he hasn't been on this earth and what I'll continue to do with that name is, I don't even know how to put it into words fully, but all I can say is if it's allowed me to live my authentic self, as tragic as the circumstances are that he's not here anymore, I'm optimistic that he's taught me everything that I need alongside 
all the people that he's left with me on this earth to look out for me and support me. But I'm just so grateful for it all. I'm grateful for the time that I did have with him. And I think, you know, because of everything I just said, like being the Nikas is my superpower. And it makes me feel, you know, strong and brave to step out there into the world. That's how they raised me. He, my mom, my yeah, like they raised me to be this strong, confident, opinionated woman. And it is who I am becoming. And it's so that I can hold the door open for others that want to be the same and others that can live in their true feelings and emotions and culture and do it all authentically. Mm, That is so powerful. Thank you for sharing all of that. Thank you, girl. Air hugs from Zoom. Air hugs. <laughs> Alrighty. So plug all things Nikas Lifestyle. This episode comes out on March 8th. So let the listeners know what they can look forward to, what's dropping, what's some exciting news going on with Nikas Lifestyle around them. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I know we've rescheduled a few times getting this podcast together for the two of us with all of our busy schedules, but It freaking warms my heart knowing that we are launching this episode on March 8th because that's actually my grandfather's birthday. So talk about freaking like, yeah, talk about like divine intervention and your angels looking out for you in the most beautiful ways of like, yes, yes, you are on your journey of life. Like keep going. So yeah, in the realm of Nikas Lifestyle, our website is NikasLifestyle.com. Um, our Instagram, Facebook handles are the same Nikas Lifestyle. Um, So definitely check us out. Give us a follow. For our We're Already Here listeners, we have code WAH25 for 25% off along with free shipping. So that's actually going to be available as of March 8th until basically forever. So you'll get that one-time code at any point in time that you want to visit our site and purchase something. Please, please head over and use that code. We're already here 25. Yay. That being said, we have um, our new scent of grease that just launched, Kuli, which is um, notes of Mediterranean fig and honey, which is so, so heavenly. I sent a few focus group samples out and the feedback was impeccable. So yeah, it that smells a few freaking weeks ago. incredible as focus group participant one. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, it's zero, it zero, so zero, one. <laughs> <laughs> Patient zero. <laughs> yes, yes. It's been a long time coming. We launched Sense of Grief last year with our two cents, Parea and Patsida, which definitely hit home for a lot of diaspora Greeks. So we're just trying to keep the ball rolling with the nostalgic vibes and incorporating them into our senses. So stay tuned. We're actually working on a restock of our large nine ounce jars that will be hopefully launching in time for Greek Independence Day. Um, But alongside our Canva collection, we also work with rural small business owners in Greece. So the thought actually stemmed from spending summers in Southern Peloponiso near ancient Olympia. And the first business partner that we work with actually Zeus Olympia, they are a mom and pop husband and wife with two sons, and they have a beautiful sustainable jewelry collection out of ancient Olympia. So we do have some of those pieces curated on site. Um, but outside of this Olympia, please stay tuned. Feel free to subscribe to our site or follow our Instagram pages because we are absolutely going to be having more newness coming soon, hopefully in time for summer. Um, so stay tuned and we hope to see you on our page in front of our community. Yay. And I will link everything in the description of this podcast. Nika, thank you so much for joining me. This has been so fun. Thank you. I, again, just wanted to thank you, Ro, for having me here today and being able to plug Nika's lifestyle and all 
all things that encompass us living authentically. I am so appreciative just for this journey that we're on together and watching you just grow and flourish within this podcast. Like it is, it gets me in my feels on a, on a very regular basis. Let's just say that. Thank you, Nika. I I just could not reflect that back to you more like watching how Nika's lifestyle has grown, even just taking on the jewelers in Olympia, like as another piece of the Nika's lifestyle puzzle and just enacting not only sure the brand, the product, but the purpose of it is just, it's really impressive. And I'm really proud of you. Thank you, love. There's only upward for us. So I am so appreciative for this journey and excited to see what happens next for the both of us. I could not agree more. All right, well, thank you. 